the KUAM Podcast Network is back and on demand, featuring a great variety of podcasts from our island and region, including culture, lifestyle, awareness, crime, politics, commentary, comedy, and entertainment. Available on most streaming platforms. The KUAM Podcast Network. Subscribe and listen now. September 11, 2001, a date that many Americans would describe as the worst day for the country in modern times. The USA was attacked by terrorists. Four coordinated attacks, 2,997 deaths 20 years later. America has not been the same. A reflection from Guam and its part two decades later on this episode of That's It, That's All. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean Dimitato. You are listening to That's It, That's All. I'm Sean Dimitato here, the host of the podcast. That's It, That's All is brought to you by Get LLC, the consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm serves public and private sector organizations in Micronesia. Do you need help with starting a small business? Need access to Iridium satellite telephones? Get LLC may have the answer that you're looking for. You can find them on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. Check out their site and contact them now if you need some help today. Hello to those listeners listening in Overland Park, Kansas. Also, greetings to those of you listening in Tampa, Florida. The listenership is growing with each episode to include those listening in Winnipeg, the capital of the Canadian province of Manitoba. Can't forget the listeners across my island home, especially those in our capital city of Hagatnya. Can't forget Anigua as well. Hafaday to you all. Thanks for having That's It, That's All along with you as you go from one end of Paradise Guam to the other. Remember to download the podcast for your next gym workout, that special road trip, or on your computer or mobile devices. Plenty using these routes to listen to the podcast these days. A big thanks to our friends at RedCircle.com in pushing out the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Also, That's It, That's All can be found on the iHeartRadio app and on Pandora. The podcast is also a part of the KUAM Podcast Network. We are proud that That's It, That's All is part of an awesome collection of on-demand audio shows originating in Guam and Micronesia from the number one broadcast news and digital source of information in Guam and Micronesia. Like, subscribe, or follow right now on your favorite podcast app. 9-11. The events of this day will forever be etched in the minds of Americans. Four commercial airlines were hijacked. The plot was revealed when the first plane, an American Airlines aircraft, smashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York. A shock country was gripped with horror as it was playing out on televisions everywhere and trying to understand how 17 minutes later, another plane, a United Airlines plane, flew right into the South Tower. What was first labeled an accident, the second 
was surely not coincidental. Minutes later, reports came in that a third plane, another American Airlines aircraft, smashed into the west side of the Pentagon. It appeared that something sinister was brewing. Dread. A nation dropped to its knees. Minutes later, word came in that another United plane would stop short in a field in Pennsylvania. For the next 24 hours or so, America became a different place. All federal posts were locked down. Air movement was grounded. Local law enforcement called up and sent out to all public areas looking for more suspicious activity. With the deadliest terrorist attack in world history complete, the terror group Al-Qaeda claimed responsibility. With the actions came a swift move from then U.S. President George W. Bush to start the war on terror. President Bush was in Florida when the attack started. His movement was a secret for the first several hours of the attacks on America. Same went for then Vice President Dick Cheney. Every governor in the United States was secured by their state police. The succession of the government became front and center. In press statements in the hours after the attacks, and armed with more information from military and intelligence agencies, it was clear that President Bush was going to react with military force, the likes not seen since World War II. The sheer loss of life on that day. Folks from New York to Guam were impacted by what happened. From the deaths on those airplanes, in the Twin Towers, and at the Pentagon, there was not a single American who was not affected in some way. In the weeks to follow, Operation Enduring Freedom came to be. Just about a month after the attacks, U.S. forces were thrust into Afghanistan, targeting al-Qaeda and the Taliban, who had harbored these terrorists. Bombing after bombing to take down those responsible for killing Americans. The war on terror really was just getting started. For the next 13 years, American troops hunted down every person responsible for the attacks. The penultimate event was the eventual killing of Osama bin Laden. May 2, 2011, U.S. Navy SEALs and the Central Intelligence Agency converged on a compound in Pakistan and killed the mastermind of the attacks on America. The events of 9-11 have forever changed the way the U.S. has done business both at home and abroad. For the past 20 years, there was an expansion of government focused on protecting the homeland. For two decades, a nationalistic focus on using goods and services has become a national policy. Since 2001, American military might has been brought into the fight against terrorists, which previously was left for our allies impacted to fight on their own, and a global fight remains to stamp out this type of political violence. When this podcaster thinks of the impacts of the last 20 years from the attacks on America, I would say that it has and remains far-reaching. How has things changed? While many may not have liked the response and the projection of such to other countries in the world, many have asked if Guam and the rest of America remains safer today as a result. 
One of the important results of it has been the rebuilding of these areas since. While the loss of life remains a somber point, the cities of Washington, D.C. and New York City showed its true resiliency when out of the ashes came a hardening of the areas in New York and of the Pentagon. With it came a memorial to victims of the attacks and a city that rebounded led by the reconstruction of one World Trade Center completed in 2014. Every city, state, and the territories did the same too. Every part of America would not be defined by the events of 9-11. The contrary. What were some great lessons to be learned and to keep the memories of the 2,997 deaths clear in our minds when we speak of tragedy, when we act to keep our community safer, when we remember the greatness of our country in its greatest time of need and to rebuild bigger and better. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. Reflecting on the events, it seemed like it was just yesterday. It was late in the evening on September 11, 2001. I was wrapping up some work in my little duplex in Anigua when I glanced at the television just after the first plane hit the World Trade Center. I was astonished. I couldn't believe that a whole plane got so off course and hit a building in New York City. My astonishment evaporated minutes in when I watched the second plane hit the Trade Center. I was shocked. My newsman instinct then kicked in. I kissed my wife and my two girls at the time and ran out the door toward the Pacific Telestations Inc. KYM studios in Harmon. I joined the news team in 1996 as a sports reporter. I moved to the news desk in 1999. All my news instincts were in overdrive. I had called then news director Sabrina Salas Matanani before I even left my house. I just knew I had to get on the air and get the word out to the people of Guam somehow. At that time, the radio stations, KUAM, AM, and FM were automated at that hour. Television operations were down for the day. Flying up to Harmon from Anigua, I listened to then KSTO FM radio, who had put the Associated Press live feed on the air. Well, when I got to the station, I saw the AP Newswire on our newsroom computers were filled with urgent alerts. As I flipped the on-air switch on the radio side to report the attacks on America, urgent alert, the Pentagon had been attacked. Speaking through the mic, I remember that my voice cracked a bit, still trying to take in the events. For those listening at the time, this is now just around midnight Guam time or so, that something wrong had happened and just happened in America. Minutes later, uh, former news photographer and technical person Joe Rosario would show up to help me with the radio board, and then Sabrina arrived. We would spend the next few hours reporting on what was happening on the East Coast, and then our phones would light up over the government of Guam's response. With each minute in the radio studio and with each wire copy that we read, 
it was clear that this event was graver than first thought. We knew that it was serious. Then the death tolls came in. With each minute, then hour, more and more reported dead. For veterans of natural disasters, I thought Joe, Bree, and I were going to be more objective with our worldview with the events of 9-11. It was pretty hard. In the hours to come, more and more staff came in. The government of Guam's response was as scary, too. When 9-11 happened, then Guam Governor Carl Gutierrez was off-island. In China, if I recall, the island law enforcement and total of government response was laid at the feet of then-Guam Lieutenant Governor Madeline Berdalio. Much of the words she said remain a blur. I do remember her saying that fighter jets from Japan were en route to Guam, scrambled to support our American community in the Western Pacific. The presser, I believe, was from the front door to her condo. Hope my facts from that are about right. Nonetheless, it was scary and intense. Hours later, I eventually called my wife, Trish, and we talked more about staying on the air and that we would try to meet. The 9-11 attacks called for us to keep on the air with the latest information. National Guard troops were deployed to every intersection and the Guam International Airport. Guns drawn. Law enforcement were sent on patrol. Every person, every vehicle, out. Vigilance, the direction. As the sun rose, the images were telling. The dawn of the day had President Bush declaring war on terrorism. It was reported that people huddled around every television on Guam to hear his address. It ended with this, quote, This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. America has stood down enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day, yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. Thank you, good night, and God bless America. Close quote. The newsroom became a buzz after we all listened to the address. Government agencies advising of their plans. The lieutenant governor held another press conference to discuss an update to her late night brief for media. All the photogs and reporters, including the sports team at KOAM, were all sent out to cover different aspects to what the president called out midway in his speech, the emergency response plans. From the Office of Civil Defense, the Port Authority, Guam's police and fire departments, the Guam Memorial Hospital, Comnav Mar, you name it. It was all hands on deck to prepare for what many in the community thought could be another attack. Fighter jets flying overhead throughout the day added to the drama. The Japan-based U.S. fighters did give many a sense of security, but also a sense that more assets were needed to come to Guam at that uncertain time. All the words of reassurance. Words that followed with growing facts on the ground in New York, Pennsylvania, and at the Pentagon. More and more uncertainty. Going on the air at 6 p.m. that night was surreal. All the information, all the action, all the response by the nation and Guam's first responders, local and federal. It was a newscast that was delivered to keep our people up to date. Way before the days of the 24-hour news cycle and social media, there was a sense for all of us to get it right, do the best we could with the information we were given, have the viewers keep tuned for more throughout the day. This event would be a defining moment for all of us. 
whether we knew it or not. The news coverage of 9-11 forever changed how we reported a news event and how important the local response was to this national tragedy. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. What was left in 9-11's wake? ABC News reported this past week that, quote, that day of terror brought about changes large and small, such that it is difficult to find some part of American life that hasn't been touched by the effects of September 11, 2001, from ramped up security at airports to the militarization of policing to years-long wars and the very fabric of our country's personality and freedoms, the nation and world have been redefined by the events of 9-11. Close quote. In an article on September 5th, 2021 by TV critic James Ponowozak of the New York Times started by saying the TV specials for the September 11th anniversary offer any number of ways to return to what he called hell. Noting, quote, 20 years later, is there anything still to say about September 11? Of course, it would be unimaginable to simply ignore it. A tougher question is, is there anything more to say than there was 5, 10, 15 years ago? There is, but actually saying it can be riskier. Close quote. Just as memories of 9-11 are firmly embedded in the minds of most Americans old enough to recall the attacks, their historical importance far surpasses other events in people's lifetimes. In a survey conducted by the Pew Research Center, in association with a and Network's History Channel in 2016, 15 years after 9-11, 76% of adults named the September 11 attacks as one of the 10 historical events of their lifetime that had the greatest impact on the country. The election of Barack Obama as the first black president was a distant second at 40%. Not long after 9-11, I traveled to the U.S. mainland. It was October 2001 to attend a conference of the Society of Professional Journalists. I was president of the Guam chapter at the time, and my two oldest daughters were with me to visit with their grandparents in San Leandro, California, and me to head up to Seattle, Washington for the SPJ event and then come back, retrieve my girls, and head back to Guam. That trip had even my girls frisked by federal agents at the gate back through to Hawaii in San Francisco. Even passengers were yelling at the gate agents witnessing this. I wasn't too concerned, and I asked the girls to even tell them thank you for doing their jobs. I've always watched the coverage each and every year since 9-11, intrigued by the different stories of decision-making and survival, each anniversary and different perspective of the whole event. I recently watched on Apple TV Plus 9-11, Inside the President's War Room. It's a documentary. In recent years, the stories and documentaries only glossed over the roles of the White House. This particular documentary did not. It includes and features former President George W. Bush, Vice President Cheney, 
former National Security Advisor Condoleezza Rice, former Chief of Staff Andy Card, former Press Secretary Ari Fleischer, and the list goes on and on. The video, gripping, the testimony, insightful, perhaps more than ever. If you haven't seen it, I would give it a 10 out of 10 rating. It really is a must-see. In my lifetime, I thought the Iran hostage crisis would be the watershed moment of my life. Maybe the Atlanta Olympic or Oklahoma City bombings, maybe even the LA riots, which I covered as a videographer in Bakersfield, California. I did cover my share of natural disasters, but nothing compares to that fateful night on September 11, 2001. The stories will be told, and I am certain that many will hear this perspective and add to it what they might have heard to date. 20 years is a long time to wait to tell a particular story, and especially this particular story of mine. Maybe no platform to do it, but it is surely an important one, as many will reflect on the attacks on America and all that has transpired since. We all should look to what has been the net result of that time in American history. Fear. Those days after 9-11 were filled with anxiety that such an attack could happen again. We cannot forget those feelings. We cannot take it for granted. Life surely has changed. Our U.S. military did much in the wake of those events to keep America and the world safe. From this podcaster, I thank them all for their service. And for those serving today, thank you too and let's remain vigilant together. Things are surely not the same. Kind of what is happening today with the next biggest story of our generation, the global COVID-19 pandemic. The two are different in so many ways, but similar. Let me touch on the similar part in that we have all had to adjust our lives, travel, business, communications because of it. The loss of life from both has been great. But the single terrorist events that day in September of 2001 will be etched deeply in the psyche of all Americans who remember the events of 9-11. We hope that another similar event does not happen in our lifetime. I hope that as a society, we take the attacks on America and build up our society cognizant from those past lessons and make our world just that much better. This podcast would suggest that over time, our shared trauma of 9-11 has created an opportunity for all of us to use our memory of this particular event, even our island culture's shared stories of the impacts of the war on terror, to create justifications for lashing out at the world, careless of any new damage that it may cause. Again, we must never forget. A profound statement I read recently. As individuals and nations... We don't act because of what we suffer, but often because of the stories we tell about it. That's it. That's all. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon. The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Matata. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatata. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening. The KUAM Podcast Network 
is back and on demand, featuring a great variety of podcasts from our island and region, including culture, lifestyle, awareness, crime, politics, commentary, comedy, and entertainment. Available on most streaming platforms. The KUAM Podcast Network. Subscribe and listen now.